0: So welcome to the next episode of Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. And today, Gemma and I are thrilled to be rejoined by Duncan Meisel, who is the founder of Clean Creatives. Duncan, welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me back.
0: So we wanted to have this conversation with you because it's timely when you came on the com- podcast the first time we talked about the work that you were doing at clean creatives and we can you know we can just for any listeners that are coming in and are new to to the podcast and indeed new to the work that you're doing it would be great if you could kick off with an introduction to that but but really we wanted to have this conversation with you because as part of the work that you do you publish the F list which to summarize, um, and no doubt you can do this so much more eloquently than I will, is a list of the advertising agencies that are still working with fossil fuel and associated with fossil fuel um, organizations. And that was just published very recently. And Gemma and I saw that list and thought, oh, goodness, it's kind of going in the wrong direction you know, we know you're doing amazing work. We know more and more agencies are signing on and taking the pledge not to work with fossil fuel organizations. And so when we saw the number of agencies that were actually doing so had increased, we thought we need to speak to Duncan and find out what's going on. So that was why we, we wanted to get you back on the show to have that conversation. But let's kick off first with an introduction to Clean Creatives and the, the work that you guys do.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so clean creatives is a global campaign to get the advertising and PR industry to stop working with fossil fuel polluters. Um, we have a pledge that asks agencies to not work with any company that uh, commits more than 50% of its capital expenditure or gets more than 50% of its revenue from fossil fuel production, transportation, combustion or refinement, um, or front groups or organizations that represent those companies. And the reason that we're doing this is that Um, Fossil fuel polluters are the uh, world's biggest contributors to climate change. Uh, The energy system is responsible for about 75% of dangerous carbon pollution. um, And the companies in that sector have told investors uh, and regulators that they plan to increase the amount that they pollute over the period of time that we need to be actively decreasing that pollution. So um, roughly speaking, um, the International Energy Agency says that we need to reduce carbon pollution by 50% um, over this decade. And if you go to Exxon, Shell, Aramco, Total, so on and so forth, and ask them, what are your plans? They say, we are going to increase the amount that we pollute over that same decade. So um, those companies are committed to destroying the planet effectively. Um, and providing marketing or PR services to them is, is irresponsible. It's not compatible with a commitment to the communities you work in, to the sustainable brands you work with, or your staff. Um, so that's why we've been asking people to take the pledge, and, um, I'm happy to say that a lot of them are doing it, that, uh, we have nearly 800 agencies that have signed our pledge in the three years since we've been running this campaign. And, um, they are really excellent at what they do. So we just had, um, the biggest agency yet to sign, signed last week, Allison PR. Um, the first agency was more than a thousand people to join. And I think we're making really great inroads, um, into this conversation, even among agencies that haven't yet signed the pledge, which I'm happy to talk about too
0: fantastic fantastic well that's encouraging so they may not yes. have signed the pledge yet but they are actually making some shifts in their thinking perhaps so tell right. us a little bit about um you know the the 800 agencies that are on board with making the shifts um that's a good number what what i mean it seems like a big number i mean I, i'm not I don't know how many agencies. Great about it. <laughs> but, you know, we, we often talk about, you know, when we looked at the number and did some analysis, that there are 10.6 million marketers on the planet. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's a big number. Um, and, of course, many of those marketers will be working within these agencies. Not every marketer works within an agency. You know, there, there are lots of other disciplines. But, but of course, um, the, I suppose the, the news that isn't so great that we saw on the F list is that the F list is increasing. <laughs>
1: um, I, I think the the number of agencies on the F list this year is actually a credit to our researcher, Neantara Dutta, who um, came on and was able to work on this project kind of um, with substantial time for the first time. So okay. the past F lists have been a little more. Of an ongoing sort of side project. And this year we had someone who was able to sit down and like really dig. Um, And the sources for the F list come from a variety of places. They come from government disclosures. um, They come from agency websites, award shows, portfolio sites, news reporting. Um, And we were able to do uh, not only a better global search, but a multilingual search this year. So we were able to look more deeply into um, Spanish outlet, Spanish speaking outlets and, uh, you know, different languages around the world. So I think we just did better research, uh, okay. as a, as a, is that best reference point. Um, and I'm proud of that. And And the other thing that makes this, F, this year's F list different is that in the past, we kind of had a bigger reporting window. We looked at, you know, things from 2015 on or so. Um, and this year we tried to be really precise and look for agencies that were doing work right now in 2022 and 2023, um, the hottest years in human history. Um, and, you know, the marketing and PR industry has been directly told by uh, the UN secretary general, yeah. by the intergovernmental panel on climate change, that working with major polluters is a significant tr- contributor to the climate emergency. Um, there's really no way to say that you don't know this is a dangerous activity at this point. Um, and we think that brands and, and professionals who are looking at working at these places deserve to know which companies are choosing to ignore those warnings.
2: I guess it is a case of ignoring those warnings because I can't imagine or maybe I'm wrong that any of those agencies on the air list have come out to defend their decisions and their choices to work with the, with the fossil fuel companies have they
1: you you might be surprised <laughs> um, so you know the, the, this is uh, the ongoing challenge right so like the, the reason that we're doing this campaign is the marketing industry is made up of people who generally do want to do good. It's people who are thoughtful, creative people who, you know, if you are involved in communication, it's because you care about other people and you wish to connect with them. So I, uh, and it's it's very hard, I think, to internalize the fact that if you've been working with a client for many years, um, that that may not actually be doing good. Um, I, I, I'm very sympathetic to that, that it's a difficult thing to kind of process and consider. Um, and there are some agency leads who do defend this work. And um, I think there needs to be kind of a, a higher level of rigor applied to those statements. So, you know, we were in Cannes this year and, you know, we asked Richard Edelman, who's the C- uh, CEO of Edelman PR, um, you know, about his work with his company's work with Shell and Aramco and the Saudi government and a lot of fossil fuel companies and aligned organizations, we'll say. And he did defend it. He said, you know, we're helping Shell transition, sustainable biofuels, aviation fuels, so on and so forth. and You know, I I just want to make a comparison to that, because like if you're a CEO and you got up and you said, um, you know, we ran this campaign for a company and sales increased and we're really proud of the work. But over that period of time, sales had decreased. (laughs) The opposite had happened. um, That would be obviously unethical. Right. Like you would not be invited back to whatever festival you were on. But somehow when we get into the subject of sustainability and fossil fuel polluters, you can get up and say, We're helping these companies transition. We're doing such good work, and the opposite could be happening. Um, But no one sort of seems to bat an eye. And in the case of Shell, and the Edelman's work with them, for instance, over the period of time that Edelman has been working with Shell, Shell's produced more fossil fuels than ever. Um, You know, this summer, you know, a a couple weeks before uh, Richard Edelman made that statement, Shell had a. AGM, their annual beating, and they said, we are happy to increase our fossil fuel production and cut our investment in net zero technologies. But you can still go up at CAN and say, isn't it good that we're helping these companies transition when there's no evidence for that claim? In fact, the opposite is true. So there are some people that are making that claim. I don't think they are being responsible. I don't think they are being backed by the evidence. Um, and I think that they should be held to a higher standard when making those claims. I, I think it's, um, you know, they should be challenged more directly.
2: Yeah. Well, the CEO of Shell, the new CEO of Shell himself has made it very, very clear that it's almost not his responsibility or his organization's responsibility to do this, hasn't it? He, you know, you only have to listen to other other sort of podcasts and, and news media coverage on this. It's blatantly clear and they have moved and shifted their targets out to, to reach, you know, to decarbonize and the amount of investment they put in renewable energy is is minuscule in comparison. Plus, also looking at new gas and oil projects, still that is ongoing. So it's not; it, it is completely indefensible. Um, in you know, based on all of that. So, just a question on those that have those eight hundred agencies that have signed up. You know, to the pledge. You know, what what are they saying in terms of the work they're now doing? Because clearly, you're now they're on a drive for. Uh, and taking up the opportunity to to create more sustainable markets moving forward, What's, what are the sort of things that they're focusing on? Yeah, and all,
0: I mean, Duncan, you said at the beginning this is fifty percent of their revenue is, was based on working with the fossil fuel polluters, right that was, that was how. Uh,
1: the- that's, that's the standard for like if you were a fossil fuel company by our pledge, if more than fifty percent of your revenue was coming from fossil fuels?
0: Yeah, so these 800 agencies at one point potentially weren't on the F list or were they on the F list and they've moved out of the F list? Because that means that they've cut a big part of their revenue. That's quite a big shift for them to have, have made to actually, to, 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 to live by that pledge.
1: Well, the, the 50% is just referring to like what's a fossil fuel company. So like, you know, for, for instance, like there's the energy company Orsted that at one point was called uh, Dong, which is a terrible name. <laughs> and, you know, if you had worked with them, you know, prior to their rebranding, um, that w- we would have considered that a fossil fuel company. But okay. they're an energy company who still has a small amount. They still own some like gas power plants, but huge, huge percentage of what they invest in and what the revenue comes from, comes from renewable energy. Or zero carbon technology. So the fifty percent is just sort of we want to be able to draw a line yeah. that says here's here's what an energy company has to be doing. Here's the scale of investment they need to be making so that there's a clear incentive to work with companies that are doing well um, because so few of them are. But and when they are, you need to have their back. <laughs> they need they okay. need to help rebranding as Dong uh, Cause uh, points out very clearly. <laughs> um, so uh, in, in terms of the agencies that have signed, you know. It's an interesting conversation every time. And I think everybody has their own approach to it. The most common thing I hear from leaders is that, you know, one, they just sort of have a, and there's an ick factor. They just, it's just like, I just don't want to be involved in this anymore. It, it doesn't suit the principles. It's not why I got into this work. Um, it doesn't align with our values. It's not the way I want to grow my company. Um, and then they also talk a lot about talent and recruitment and culture. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, when agencies have signed the pledge and they sort of communicate that out to their staff, reaction is always immediately positive. Everyone is just like, this feels great. (laughs) You know, this is like a genuine commitment. It's drawing a clear line. It puts us on the right side of history. And I, it, it makes their staff happy. It makes their potential staff, potential staff happy. It's something you can put, um, to be, you know, a tiebreaker in uh, some sort of like tough recruitment conversation. Like, we can guarantee that you're never gonna have to like swallow a pitch for a Ramco. Yeah. Like how nice is that? Um, yeah. That's something that you can really offer people that is a quality of life um, and a quality of purpose. And so it just helps align agencies with the reason they do what they do. And it's not always simple, um, you know, but the reality is is that agencies don't take every pitch that walks in the door. If you're saying yes to every single client that offers you money, you don't have a functional agency, probably. Yeah. that's not a way to run a company. Everybody has a line. Everybody yeah. makes decisions on this every day, and we're just sort of giving a clear tool to say where your line is um, that puts you on the right side of this issue alongside really good companies, really good people, and a, and a growing movement of your peers so it's it's really just trying to take that decision making process and and simplify it in a way
2: and I guess there's also. Clients who will now start to move away from those F list agencies because they don't want the association with organizations that support the fossil fuels. I think, didn't some I can't recall who, but didn't some age clients already say that they will not be working with those agencies on that list?
1: Yeah, so the the same day that the F list was released, there was this news about um, Havas Media taking on Shell's media contract, and um, you know, there's a large and very effective nonprofit organization, the Fossil Fuel Non-Proliferation Treaty that had been working with a HAVAS agency that week on their communications. Um, and when that news came out, they were in a HAVAS office in New York, and they closed their computers, and they walked out. Like, they really, like, really that same day. And, wow. you know, that, that's a, one, one. I think it shows the integrity with which they're approaching their work. So yep. shout out to them. Thank you, yes. our friends, Non-Proliferation <laughs> Treaty. Um, But, you know, that's a very immediate consequence. They were talking about a much longer, larger contract, and and that's just off the table now. Um, And that's one example of, like, a very explicit conflict where it was just like, this is 100% a no for us and, like, see ya. (laughs) Um, But I think there are more subtle ways that it can play out as well, Um, you know, just in the same way that recruitment, you could be like, here's a sweetener. Um, you know, it could be the case that if you're a big company with ambitious climate goals like Ikea or Salesforce or something like that, when you're sort of presented with two options, you know, if you're like, well, I won't have to... I, there's no risk that our marketing resources and lessons go to serve, you know, Exxon's next greenwashing campaign. That's a bo- That's a bonus for us. You know, it's yes. a sweetener. And, you know, we're working with brands that are starting to incorporate that directly and and to make that kind of like a condition of their rfps um and they they've not yet made that public and i'm not going to blow their cover yet uh but this is something that we're developing and uh you know it 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 just starts with asking questions and you know if this is not a question you want to have to answer then don't have it on your books like figure out a way to get out of it
0: yeah, I mean, you want a clean supply chain, right? Don't you? You want it. Clean... It is part of
1: your supply chain. It is. It is part of your supply chain.
0: It is. You know, and when we're all thinking about scopes and 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 what that yes. scope three responsibility is, then then you know the supply chain is where the biggest impacts are, and so you got to clean that out. And so this is it's it's remarkable though that um, that tension between what I mean, you, I almost. I mean, it must be very difficult for people within an organisation where, I mean, you said it's unlikely that they're not aware. I just wonder if that awareness is as clear as we think it is, that people are aware that their organisation is working for that fossil fuel organisation and what that means, and that they're aware of the impact of the fossil fuel organisations on the planet, you know, and... Is that awareness absolutely evident everywhere? Because, I mean, we still speak to people where there are questions around that or, oh, I didn't realize. And so I just wonder if that has truly cut through, that there is a level of ignorance is bliss.
1: <laughs> well, there's, there's lots of layers. Like, you know, that I always like to say that the first target of greenwashing is the agency the agency has to be bought in and you know understand the strategy and 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 be kind of sold on the idea that you can talk about these companies as green in order for them to do it. So and and we know greenwashing works it does, is is an effective tool to persuade the public. So you know if you're persuading the public you're persuading your agency first. Um and you know I think there's different levels of responsibility too like if you're the C-suite of an agency, it's your responsibility to protect the long-term growth and health of the organization, and it is your responsibility to ask these hard questions. And yeah. I don't think there is an excuse for an executive to be like, "Oh, I just didn't know." It's like, no, you're actually supposed to take a hard look at this, and it's not that hard to find the evidence. Um, I think for people who are asked to work on these projects, or are you know just sort of in the building in one way or another. Climate education is a constant journey. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to reiterate this stuff over and over. There's sometimes facts even I'm surprised by, and I focus on this. So, I, I I don't think there's as much responsibility that falls to those people. Um, but I do think there was, it is a responsibility if you lead an agency to know the clear facts um, and to to address them. Um, but yeah, there, there always needs to be more climate education. We all need to you know get get the re up on that.
2: I also think, you know, there is enough going on in society, uh, in terms of there's a lot more, uh, people taking action, isn't there, against organizations? Uh, is it California have, have just started some big action, haven't they, against fossil fuel companies? Uh, obviously there was climate week, uh, in New York and now look at New York. I mean, the, the, the dots are getting easier to join, um, and I think, as Michelle said, sometimes ignorance is bliss and it's and willful ignorance is is where it's kind of we're come I feel like we're coming out of that now, and it can't be ignored anymore. So hopefully, in terms of those eight hundred agencies that are you know have signed the pledge, they will start to take the business of all of the other organizations who, first of all, don't want their decarbonisation commitments. Uh, impacted by the agencies they work with because that would be significant yep. for some of them um, and also the you know just the doing the decent thing moving forward when the impacts of things like the weather and biodiversity loss have reached such a prolific uh, height and critical critical part that you just say this is this is completely unethical now isn't it moving mm-hmm. forward
0: and, and climate quitting is a reality. You know, people just yes. don't want to work for those organizations that aren't taking responsibility. And and it's all over the press around the billions of profits and the history. I mean, you know, from Exxon, there's that letter from the 1950s, isn't there? That You know, it's talking yeah. about in the 70s and the 80s about they were aware of how they were skewing and greenwashing the science um, even back then. So. So I think there is, whether you're in the space or you're out of the space, as Gemma said, it's becoming more and more commonplace that everybody is aware of, of the changing weathers and the the, changing, the changes that we're seeing in, in climate. And actually, the continuous conversation around the impact of the fossil fuel organizations, polluters, you know, whatever you want to position them as, as, as not taking responsibility yes. so where do we move what where do we where do where is this leading to do you do you hope duncan i mean obviously it's a journey it's a challenge um there are 800 agencies that have that have moved over and are, are doing the right and decent and responsible thing there's a whole load of enormous agencies that that haven't um and i suspect there is a growing tension Within those those agencies, where do you see this heading? Do you do you see that there is? And I know that the work, for example, of Purpose Disruptors, they're they're trying to legislate for for organisations not to be able to work with with certain organisations that are the biggest polluters. Um, and so in in advertising, so so where do you think this is heading?
1: Well, I just wanted to say something about the the California lawsuit because it is really significant. I mean, yeah. California is by far the largest jurisdiction of any kind to take this on. Yeah. They're bigger than many countries. And if you read that lawsuit, there's, you know, 10 or so different points and almost all of them have to do with false advertising. It is a lawsuit about marketing. Yeah. It is a lawsuit about public public affairs yeah. and um you know, this is really important for companies that do want to market green products that are genuinely invested in the climate transition because um, all of that misleading stuff makes your job harder. Yeah. Um, if you have a fossil fuel company that is out there saying fossil fuels are reliable and clean, there's, you're they're diminishing the brand value of non-polluting products that are actually clean and actually reliable. You know, this is a, there is a, role that these this plays in shaping the marketing environment for all clean brands. Um, and, you know, when you think of this as an agency relationship, uh, you know, if you are going to an agency and talking about how you want to reach green consumers and they have BP across the hall, you're helping teach BP how to greenwash. You are teaching them how to market their products as green. Um, by, you know, when you're, you know, attempting to reach those consumers, those mark, those like consumer profiles are easy to port over, um, the lessons, you know, there are stories of clean brands literally ending up in the pitch deck to fossil fuel companies. Look how good we are at marketing this as a green product. So anyways, yes, this is fun. Like the accountability question is a marketing problem and it's a problem for clean brands. Um, in terms of moving forward, um, There is a lot of, there are a lot of people that are sort of like starting to slow down this process inside the large agencies. And, and so, um, you know, when we released the F list, um, we had the interpublic group, um, on there. And the thing we said about them is that IPG has, um, a principle for new clients that essentially rules out fossil fuel clients. They say they won't take on any new work. Okay. Um, which is a great standard to set. The problem is they're not really applying that to their current clients or how their renewals with those clients. So uh, IPG, among other things, is essentially the the central hub of of creative strategy for Saudi Aramco, um, which is the world's biggest fossil fuel polluter. And like, that's just I, I'm very glad they have these principles for new business, but like, what are you gonna do about the current business? Yeah. Um, but that is sort of like. The first step is not to dig the hole deeper. And if you're at the hole, if you imagine the hole here is like having a business that's dependent on fossil fuel polluters, not digging that hole deeper is a great step forward. So I think what you're going to start to see is sort of a gradual like resistance to renewal and increase of these projects, um, in inside agencies. And that will the, the role that those companies play inside for their bottom line will diminish over time. Um, that will hopefully be faster in some places, like intentional, moving through this intentionally is always gonna be the right choice because uh, you know there is some, like the fossil fuel companies are so far out of bounds when it comes to the climate. They are so far away from where we need to be. There will have to be a sharp regulatory action at some point, whether that comes through lawsuits or new laws or some other action, these companies will decline rapidly and transition rapidly and just in a disruptive way, um, because they're not choosing to do the gradual transition. And marketing companies will be hit by that. If you're depending on them for your bottom line, that sudden transition will be a unpleasant sudden transition for you as well. Uh so the intentional movement out um sooner rather than later is better. You get the benefits of leadership, credibility, integrity yeah. that comes from moving yeah. first. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Look, the, every year we publish the f list um the only question for companies on that list is how many more years you were on it and how much damage it will do to you um because you will the f list will eventually cease to exist <laughs> um because this comp- this industry won't exist forever um but the question is just how much harm will it do to you your bottom line your reputation um and your clients
0: and the planet for god's sake yeah. you know oh I well mean,
1: that too yeah. yes, you yes. Know, let's, <laughs> the, the one planet <laughs> we is, live on <laughs> that's, that's the kind
0: of other thing you know how is this sustainable and i don't mean sustainable and environmentally sustainable i mean how is this sustainable as a long-term strategy for any successful business um it's it's just kind of i loved how christiana Figueres talked about the fossil fuel industry saying they're whacking the piñata to get all the sweeties out, you know, it's kind of like making the yeah. sun while, making hey while the sun shines as much as they can, but it, they know the end is nigh.
2: Yeah, so you've you've got the F list, right? And the F list was published, and I see a lot of a lot of uh, on LinkedIn, a lot of threads talking about the F list, or people posting about the F list. What about how? Those organizations that have signed your climate pledge, how do we raise the awareness of those, raise the, I guess, the profile of them and why they've chosen not to do it yeah. and and almost take that other side of it where we have to educate and almost tell the good story yeah. so that the people can then make those informed and educated decisions? Because I see, you know, there's the Race to Zero, which is the UN-backed campaign for organizations and cities and that to back the Paris Climate Agreement. But there's over 8,000 organizations who have signed up to that. I have found very little that they really prioritize and promote that on their websites or how they talk about themselves. So how do we take those 800 agencies and get them really talking about why this needs to happen in their decisions?
1: So we we have... a. Exciting opportunity for me to plug an ongoing series on our social media channels called Coming Clean, um, which is just Ah. interviews with nine different CEOs about why they took the pledge and um, how it impacted their business. Um, It's a really global mix. We have uh, someone from Argentina, from Turkey, from Vietnam. um, Several, uh, I think today the one that's going up is from a Swedish agency, Volt, um, and a couple Americans. Um, So it's a really nice global look at this issue. Um And. Yeah, we we want to tell those stories and we want to make explain sort of like not just like why they did it, but why it was good for them and yeah, what okay. their hesitations were and, you know, how they overcame those hesitations. And and I'm really proud of those videos. I think it, it's very excellent storytelling on the part of everybody who participated. It's, it's really cool. Um, so, yeah, we, we want to do more like that. And, uh, we want to give people more storytelling tools. And this is sort of a, actually a priority for us the remainder of the year is that we're going to try and build more storytelling projects that, that work off of that template. Um, because they deserve to be validated. They deserve to be lifted up, lifted up. And I think our problem with that, honestly, at this point is that so many agencies are signing the pledge that it's a little hard to keep up. Great. It's <laughs> um, <but this laughs> a nice
0: problem to have.
1: I, look, I, you know, this is, this is the nice problem to have. Yeah. But, I think 50 agencies signed the pledge during climate week, um, which nice. is the, mo- the mo- more than in any other week since we launched the campaign. So there is a nice upward trajectory in many senses, uh, and we just have to keep up.
2: Yeah, and I think that getting the word out there also from people that work in those agencies to other people within the advertising kind of industry yeah. to uh, that work for the big agencies to say, you know, this is why we work for them. The culture's different. You know, you, you it's a, it's a much better. You you can sleep at night and all of those things. to Try and get that migration of you know without without employees, organizations are nothing, are they? Despite yeah. all of the money, you need the people, and I think. We we know from from our research that you know Gen Z and millennials are are voting with their feet as as much as it's not the easiest decision when you have to have mortgages to pay and you have to live, uh you know and and feed yourselves and all of that. There these big decisions are being made, isn't it? So I think as much noise out there about the good can almost uh be more powerful than than I mean everybody knows the oil company, gas, and oil companies that are hugely damaging to the environment. It's now how do you the good to rise up really isn't
1: it yeah i mean well speaking as a millennial not many of us have mortgages so it's not that big of a concern (laughs) Um, uh, but you know the one of my most interesting statistics i think in this discussion about talent and, and young people is you know 2019 we have the global climate strikes thank you greta and and many other people besides greta but and uh in american Institutions that grant degrees around oil and gas exploration, you can see starting in 2019, it just drops off. Like people, they just stop even looking to get the degrees anymore and it drops by like 40% in two years. Brilliant. Um, and that's a very, you know, though people, if you were in high school and you were marching in 2019, you're approaching graduation right now from college and you are thinking about where you want to work. And this is a question that has been live for you for years um, that all of your peers are aligned on and you're going to look quite silly if you to them if you start doing work for the worst companies on earth. So I, I think there's just a huge uh, generational shift that hasn't yet been fully realized and internalized. But um, for people who are entering the workforce now, um, I think this is crystal clear.
2: I also think that some organizations, you know, so when organizations uh, get called out for greenwashing, I often wonder why the agencies aren't named alongside them, you know, because, oh, and, and this is a question that I have yes. raised on, on, on LinkedIn in conversations is those organizations are made uh, an example of, yet yeah, the agencies, trying to find out the agencies who came up with that idea, because it starts, as you said, with the agencies and the creative. I think there's almost a case for calling out the agencies that are clearly not even considering the guidelines and the rules and, and the general morality yeah. of it all.
1: There, there is some like I think legal considerations of like okay you kind of have to do what the client says and they have the final say and and all of that and but our take is just like don't put yourself in that position exactly, like don't exactly put yourself in relationship yeah like you yeah. can you may not have legal responsibility but like you're involved and yeah. you know if, if we're going back to that California lawsuit uh, guess where that discovery is going to be focused <laughs> it's going to be focused on their agencies um, that's and it's not just going to be like, what did Exxon say? It's going to see what did Exxon say to their agencies? Yeah. Um, There was a U.S. congressional investigation last year um, that released a bunch of documents from, you know, different fossil fuel companies and uh, about their marketing strategy and what they knew about climate change. And you can see Exxon emails being exchanged with BBDO employees in those documents where they talk about, these law, these ads that are now the subject of multiple lawsuits around the world about Exxon, you know, promoting algae fuels. And you can see the dialogue where, like, the agency is like, what if we said this? And the Exxon people being like, we can't actually say that. That's not true. And then sort of like going back and forth around this, where... I, I think there's clear responsibility for the people who are in that sort of dialogue. If you are having to like workshop your emails to, yeah. uh, or workshop your script over email to make it look by the letter of the law acceptable while also leading a very false impression. Yeah. Um, I well, think you've done just, the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. That is total spin, isn't it? I mean, that's yes. just, I mean, wow. And what about, you know, the, the, the challenge of, um, I mean, it's a it's a big issue. But let's say, or let's just say hypothetically, or, or whether this becomes the reality, advertising marketing is removed from the fossil fuel polluters. It is. What is the enormity of that? Do you think? You know, because I mean, clearly the tobacco industry continues, um, <laughs> yes, and the advertising was removed from that. Um, regulating and they, but but it continues as an industry. Uh, it did have an enormous social impact because less people smoke now, you know, than than they did when that. So clearly, it has an impact. But but from a fossil fuel perspective, what's if even if it was to be removed, it's not going to make them change, is it?
1: Well, the way I look at it is that without the power of the marketing communications industry behind them they don't have the cultural and political power to stop regulatory action. So what you really saw with the uh, regulations limiting tobacco advertisement in the US was that not only did people smoke less because there were fewer ads with cowboys in them saying to smoke, but without that sort of cultural force behind them, they weren't able to stop bans on smoking in restaurants, um, increases in taxes on tobacco, um, bans on smoking on planes. Still can't believe that was allowed, but it was. And, and trains, <laughs> um, and we're going to look. And trains, right? And yeah. we're going to look back on. Yeah. And we're going to look back on a lot of the ways that we treat fossil fuels now with the same yeah. incredulity, where it's like that was a that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think what the absence of effective PR and people behind them is opening the door to um, having the ability to like take government action, which is what we need. That's like what. Solving climate change looks like is coordinated government action to incentivize yeah. clean energy and regulate dirty energy, and the ultimate goal of all of this marketing activity is to keep pollution cheap and plentiful. Yeah. And I think if they don't have that marketing heft behind them, um, it's harder to stop those kinds. The equivalent of you know the taxes on cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, thankfully, smoking has declined precipitously. They've or convince a lot of people to vape and get popcorn lung, but that's a separate conversation.
2: (laughs) But I also think, you know, again, it it would probably like people you don't really, if you work for a tobacco company, it's not something you really shout about or a dinner party, you really don't want to talk about it, is it? I guess there is that as well in terms of if you can take the marketing and the advertising away from the fossil fuel industry, then people are going to be also less inclined to say that they work there. I'm sure many people don't want to admit to working there today. But, you know, that is, that is how it is. Well, it has been absolutely amazing to catch up with you again, and we will continue to follow your work. And we look forward to all of those 800 agencies rising up as well and, and talking about all the good they do. Yeah. But as always, Duncan, we love to ask our guests the same three questions. So our first question to you is, can marketing save the planet?
1: I, I was thinking about this yesterday and um you know it was there was um it's easy to get cynical about marketing. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know I was just sort of reading Ad Week yesterday and there was this great article about a rum brand having a zero percent rum. And, you know, I have friends who don't drink or have had problems yeah. with alcohol and they're talking about the marketing around that and and the campaign, and I was like This is actually a really nice contribution. (laughs) Like this is actually like, it's so, it is so great when marketing can be used to like make people feel safe and seen and have the opportunity to like do things that are fun and point those out. And climate solutions are, uh, wonderful. You know, like I have got an e-bike last year and I've been just biking around Texas more and I love it. Yeah. And I think if we can use marketing to like, open the door to those kinds of climate solutions that do provide joy and happiness and connection and things like that. Like, that's the good stuff. Like, let's, let's get on that. And I think if we can commit to those kinds of climate solutions, I think the answer is yes. So can it? Yes. Will it? Question mark. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Big question mark. And our next question is, what do you hope business looks like in 10 years time?
1: I hope we don't need the F list in 10 years. Yeah. I hope we don't need this, that it's either like so obvious, like who's doing this and that you need to avoid them or that there are so few doing it that it's not necessary. You know, I uh, I love this work, but if, it, if we're still doing it in 10 years, we're not succeeding.
2: No. And if you were to give one piece of advice to people looking to go into the advertising world, what would it be?
1: Uh, just ask lots of questions. I mean, there's so many brilliant people in this industry that I've learned from, uh, and that listening is really kind of the superpower, uh, to you know, growing. And I, I just think that, you know, any success that we have at Clean Creatives is due to the excellent contributions of so many people from so many places, um, to make it good. So I, I'm just grateful for all of them and and the chance to learn from them. And, and that's sort of what, what makes the magic happen.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And we will make sure that all the links to finding out about the great work that you're doing at Clean Creatives is on the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to alert our listeners to, Duncan, around uh, information they can access or what they need to do or indeed um, making the pledge?
1: You should come to our event um, in London, uh, which we will be co-hosting with Uterra uh and we haven't yet picked a space um but it is going to be eat london in the evening on the 31st um just check us out on social media on instagram um at at clean underscore creatives and you will see the event details you should come hang out with us if you're in the uk for sure um and otherwise um you know please uh read the f list please share it and uh we would love to have you be part of our community
0: fantastic fantastic and no doubt that will be a halloween theme. (laughs)
1: it's scary enough
0: (laughs) that's true oh Duncan thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast
1: Uh, my pleasure thank you so much for having me again